Well, good morning. Lovely to be with you this morning. Um, just to introduce myself and to add my welcome to Richards. My name's Chris. I'm one of the assistant pastors here. Uh, lovely to have you with us, especially uh, welcome to you if you're visiting us or come with friends or looking for a church family to join. Um, we hope you have a great time this morning and enjoy both the company of one another and uh, more importantly, meeting with the Lord together. Um, quite a challenging passage, I think we've just heard. So why don't we pray together before we begin this morning? Well, Father, we, we believe your word brings life, that it's a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. And this morning, Father, we pray that you'd shine your light into our lives. Help us to not only understand what you're saying, but to put it into practice, that we might be changed people. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. Encourage, comfort, strengthen and guide us. In your name and for your glory we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, I don't know if you've been aware this week of, or I think it was this week or was it maybe the end of last week, of uh, Sir Alex Ferguson's new book. Has anyone read it yet? No. Um, some of us, if, for those of you who don't know who Sir Alex Ferguson is, he uh, is, was the manager of Manchester United football team, um, therefore tends to generate a kind of polarizing effect on different parts of the population. Some love him and think he is the greatest human being that's ever been. Others have a less kind of kind opinion of, of who he was, depending on maybe which team you support. But what we know about his book is, is that it has generated a lot of conversation and a lot of controversy. Um, and as I was thinking about uh, his book this week, I was realizing just how much influence and power that his words have. So, I don't know, I was watching Match of the Day last night, and there was a player on a place for Liverpool called Jordan Henderson, um, and Liverpool uh, had won 4-1 yesterday, and Jordan Henderson had played really well. In Sir Alex Ferguson's book, he had been quite unkind, really, about Jordan Henderson. Uh, he'd been sold from Sunderland to Newcastle for quite a lot of money, and Sir Alex Ferguson had criticised his running style and, and, and really had not been particularly nice about him. So Jordan Henderson, who's just played a fantastic game of football for Liverpool, uh, the first thing that he's asked in the press conference is, what do you think of Sir Alex's book? Because words are powerful. Words can have an effect. And, you know, particularly for someone like Sir Alex Ferguson, he, his words have a particular impact on people. And, and he knows that. So what he says can have an effect on other people. Have you ever noticed how our words can have power and have an effect on other people and on ourselves? Um, when I was 11, I was part of the school athletics team. The one and only time in my life I've been part of a school athletics team. And I was training for, the ra for a race. I ran the 800 metres and the 400 metres. Um, and it was one of those times, I don't know if you remember primary school. This is when primary school, in my opinion, was at its best. When you do half an hour of maths in the morning and then five and a half hours of sport for the rest of the day uh, in the playground. That was a great time at school. And I had a great teacher who really cared for half an hour of maths and loved PE. So that's what we spent most of our time doing. And we were training for the, um, for the uh, school kind of competition that I was to be part of. And it was, we were running a race and I'd come around the final bend to come to this finish line and a friend of mine overtook me. And so I gave up and stopped and just pretended that I was ill. 
afterwards, um, this teacher sat me down and said, Chris, why did you stop when you were overtaken? And I said, I didn't feel very well. And he said, Chris, you know that's not true. You gave up. He said, when someone overtakes you, never give up. Run harder. I was 11. It's a long time ago. Never forgotten those words. When someone overtakes you, run harder. He encouraged me. Um, A little while later, I ran the race that I was part of, and I hit the final bend of the 800 meters to run my last 100. I was in fourth place. I finished sixth. Two people overtook me on that final straight. Did I give up? No way. I ran and I ran and I ran until I died on the finish line. I never gave up because of his words. And I won an award for persevering. It's always one of those kind of patronizing school awards, isn't it? Well done. You persevered. I finished sixth. I was quite, quite pleased with that. I was happy to have an award for that. But anyway, you know, my one and only athletics award, my one and only time on an athletics team. Um, but I won an award because of his words. I kept going because of his words, because his words had power and had an effect on me. Uh, when I was at university, um, a friend of mine, we were having breakfast together. He was called Brad. And we were away for a weekend. And we were talking about, as you do when you're 18, 19, what the rest of, the, rest of life holds for you and what God wanted us to do with our lives. And, and Brad just looked across the table at me and he said, Chris, I think you're going to be involved in church leadership in your life. Words have power. I've never forgotten that. Never forgotten that conversation. Those words from my teacher, those words from Brad, have shaped my life in so many ways. And for many of us, we've experienced the power of words, haven't we? Maybe they're positive words, you know, well done in your exam results. Um, you know, go for a job, go for a promotion, even if it maybe you feel out of your reach. Um, maybe it's an affirmation of our character, of who we are. We love those words. We, we receive them well. But also, we've probably experienced, you know, words that are not so positive, negative things that have been spoken to us that have hurt us, and maybe even today still resonate in our minds. I want you to listen to these well-known personalities and celebrities who've had to overcome negative words. Stephen Fry. This is what his headmaster said about him. He has glaring faults, and they have certainly glared at us this term. I wonder if his headmaster would wished he'd had the percentage takings of Stephen Fry's books. How about Albert Einstein? Did you know that Albert Einstein didn't speak until he was four? and read until he was seven years old. And this is what his uh, teacher told him at school. Albert, you will never amount to anything. Only the greatest scientist of the 20th, 20th century, Nobel Prize winner. It's not bad for not amounting to much. Fred Astaire, how many of us love the film Singing in the Rain or have seen the musical? Just amazing. That We all remember that one scene. We could all hum the tune. His first screen test, this is what the feedback they gave him. You can't act, you can't sing, you're slightly bald, and there's nothing wrong with that. And you can dance a little bit. His first screen test. This is my favorite. Walt Disney. His first job, he worked in a newspaper, and they fired him and said this, you're not very creative. (laughs) Do you know, 
there are stuff that's said to us, and, and all of these, and you know, there are so many other people. If you Google kind of famous celebrities who overcame negative words or something like that, there's just page after page after page of sportsmen and women, actors, actresses, uh, you know, teachers, writers, all kinds of people who've overcome negative criticism to achieve what they've achieved. Um, and so we can overcome these things, but we know that those words hurt. I bet for each of those people, when that was said to them, that really hurt. That really dug in. That really affected them, and it can have such a detrimental effect in our lives. And maybe for us, it was a teacher at school who said something negative to us, or a parent, or maybe it's even something that we say over ourselves. We have a a kind of tape in our mind that just says things that aren't kind about who we are. And we know that words have tremendous power because they influence us and they change us. And, And if we're wondering, you know, what is it we're able to do with our words? Are we able to overcome it? James says some really hard things about our tongues and our ability to speak dangerous things over one another. But I think he's recognizing the power there is in words and in what we say. And here's what I want to say today, and this is the kind of takeaway headline really, is that if we uh, use our tongues to speak life over people, the power and effect of that is incredible. That James is saying to us, we're to be people who speak life and blessing over one another. So turn with me, if you will, to James chapter 3, verses 1 to 12. If you've got a Bible, do that, or on your phone, or whatever it might be. And we're going to just look at this passage. We're going to go through it bit by bit, really. The context of James is that James is speaking to uh, kind of dispersed Jewish Christians, and he's saying to them, listen, faith is not about what you say or what you think, it's about what you do. That faith has to, is only really faith if it works, if it's outworked in everyday life. Um, and James takes the teaching of Jesus and the teaching of the Old Testament, in the law and the book of Proverbs particularly, and he applies it to everyday life. So reading the book of James, you really don't need kind of too much kind of insight to understand what it's saying and, and to be challenged by it. It's a very challenging book to read. And central to that is taming the tongue. For James, uh, what we say kind of indicates the nature of our faith. What comes out of our mouths uh, points to what's in our hearts. And James wants to firstly begins this passage by talking about the power of our words. And he gives us a number of different images that help us uh, to understand how powerful the things we say are. And the first image he gives is the image of a teacher. So that's in verse 1. Not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers and sisters, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. This is the verse that every pastor fears. You know, we who teach, James is particularly talking to church leaders, but we who have influence over someone else, recognize how powerful your words are. Sobering thought as I'm stood here. Sobering thought for those of us who do teach in classrooms, who do lead teams in businesses, who have influence over others, who are parents. Don't forget, if we have influence over someone else, our words have power. Our words have power. Um, you know, when people find out that we're followers of Jesus, that we're Christians, people listen to what we say. They listen to what we say about other people, about how we talk, because they want to know that, are we living up to what Jesus said? It's a challenge, isn't it? But our words have real power. Our words uh, have the ability to influence other people. Um, The second image, or the second two images that uh, James gives, are the image of a horse and a ship, and I guess in one sense of a charioteer and and a captain. 
Um, because James is saying that our tongues, the words we speak, um, have the power to set the direction of our lives. Not only our lives, really, but the lives of those around us. Um, Proverbs 18, verse 21, the tongue has the power of life and death. Wow, that's quite a claim. It's quite a challenging thing to say. We know a a skilled captain um, can control a huge ship in the midst of a storm by steering the rudder, the tiny part of the boat at the back that sets direction. Um, What we say can bring life to others through words of encouragement and blessing. We can set people free by what we say. Um, Jesus said, didn't he, that you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. And we can set a good direction for our own lives simply by using our tongue in the right way, by speaking wisely. But on the converse side, if we're not in control of our tongue, then that can affect the whole direction of our lives. And, you know, it can lead us into all kinds of trouble. So our tongues can set the direction of our lives. The, the, the fourth image is that, that of a forest fire in verses 5 to 6. Um, uh, James says, basically, that the, the, the smallest word can have an incredible effect. Um, and maybe we've seen the images of the forest fires in, around Sydney in Australia and seen the, the devastating damage that's caused to homes, to livelihoods, to all kinds of things. Um, and it doesn't take much to start a forest fire. It's a you know, carelessly discarded cigarette or some broken glass that the sun catches and, and, and a, a spark comes from that. It's, it's one spark, but that one spark causes tremendous destruction. You know, we probably can know that one careless word can be terribly misunderstood or can cause tremendous pain. It doesn't take much. But I think conversely, and James is very negative about words. He's really challenging us to think about how we speak. But I think conversely, not only is there power in a negative way, but James is saying there's a power in a positive way in that one word of encouragement can bring life and life in, in all its fullness. I think we see that in the life of Jesus, don't we? Jesus spoke words of life and encouragement. In tiny, short, small encounters, Jesus was able to change the path and direction of a person's life. There's a wonderful little prayer in Psalm 141, verse 3, which is this. I think this is going to be my prayer from now on. Set a guard over my mouth, Lord, and keep watch over the door of my lips. Isn't that a great prayer to pray each day? Set a guard over my mouth, Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. And the final image that James uses in verse 7 and 8 is that of a wild animal. Basically, James says, it's easier to tame a tiger than it is to tame our tongues. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't try. You know, we can tame animals, we can tame all sorts of wildness, but our tongue, when it gets going, when it's out of control, is untamable. But James says we can go forward and be people who speak life. It's not to read that and think, crumbs, what hope have I got? I mean, I feel totally challenged. I, I, you know, maybe I'm the only person, I doubt it, who's just thinking, how can I get control of what I say? Um, how can I speak words of life and blessing when in my heart I'm not sure I really feel that way about someone else? Because James doesn't just present a problem, he presents a solution, how we go forward. So our words are powerful, we know that. So how do we become people who speak life over one another? Speak life uh, wherever we find ourselves. Um, Because I believe that's what we're made to do. And James gives us uh, three things that are really important if we're to be people who speak life over others. Maybe over our families, over our children, over our neighbours, over our, our classroom, over whoever it may be, our workplace. 
And the first is this, that we are made to worship God. In verse 9, uh, James says this, With the tongue we praise our God and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. With our tongue, with the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father. Worship is the thing that James says needs to be on our lips at all times. The psalmist says this, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praises shall always be on my lips. The call of a Christian, the first commandment, Jesus said, is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And what we say about God shows us what's in our hearts towards him. We're to be worshippers. And as we speak the worship and praise of God, the Bible tells us that God inhabits the praises of his people, that he lives among us. And as we praise him, he's talking about that corporately as we gather together and we speak and sing his praise. But also on our own, as we praise God, it seems as though God draws near. God comes to us. It might be just that we're grateful, that we we share hearts of gratitude. Do you know worship can involve lament and cries of anguish? The book of Psalms gives us full permission and the words to help for us to cry out to God with whatever emotion we find ourselves in. That's worship. Jesus on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The only time in the New Testament Jesus refers to God not as his Father. Do you know if you read the whole of Psalm 22, which Jesus is quoting, Jesus is worshipping on the cross with cries of anguish and cries of praise because we know in life that often the two are mixed. The battle and the blessing, if you like, they come together so often, don't they? We can worship God wherever we are. Let his praise be on our lips. Let, Let his name be the name we speak. James says that's where we begin. And if we find worship difficult because of where we find ourselves in life, use the book of Psalms to get us into the place where we've got words that we can say. I find it such a helpful thing when I don't know what to say or I just don't have the words to express how I'm feeling to God. The Psalms are the place to begin. The more we worship, the more our hearts are filled with the presence of God. There is something about that for for sure. The second thing that uh, James says is that we're to bless others. Why? Because Every human being is made in the image of God. Every human being is made in his image and has his likeness, including our enemies and our friends. In fact, just anyone we meet. And we are made to bless. To bless means to speak well of. It means to speak positively. It means to build up, to strengthen, to encourage uh, one another. Which is why we, we listen to God for words of encouragement. I'm sure for many of you, you can remember words of encouragement that people have said over your life. If not, today we're going to have space and time to listen to God and ask him to speak to us. Last Friday, um, Nell and I went to Westfield. Not a great way to spend a Friday, but it was okay. Um, They have good coffee there, really. Um, And we were shopping for clothes, and we went into a particular shop. And as we um, were paying, I was paying for some jeans that I bought. The, the guy behind the checkout just really caught my attention. I just, don't know why, he just, I just noticed him. And I felt God just say to me, I want you to offer to pray for him. So we were chatting, and, and, and I had noticed him, actually, because he'd been so helpful in the shop. He was very friendly. And, and so I just asked him his name, and he said his name was Carlos. And I'd said, oh, I'm, a, I'm Chris, and I'm a Christian, and I'd love to pray for people if they'd like prayer. Is there anything I can pray for you for? And he said, I'd love you to pray for my son. And he was a single dad and working full-time, trying to make ends meet, and, and in a really tricky spot, I think. And so we were able, just there and there in the shop, just to pray uh, for him. And as we, um, as we finished kind of praying for him, 
uh, Nell just kind of looked at him and just encouraged him that he was a great dad. That he's a great dad, you're doing a great job. And just for him, I mean, I'm sure others have said that to him. He's seen, what he was doing, I was just so in awe of him, trying to do in a difficult situation what he was doing. But those words that Nell spoke over him, really powerful and really had an impact on, his, on him. You could see in his face, you could see in his countenance. And it was just a great opportunity, a really simple thing. It wasn't much. But actually, our words have real power. And when we speak blessing over others, it's so, it's so helpful and it brings life. And that's why the gift of prophecy is such a wonderful thing. You know, the Bible says that every Christian can, can hear what God is saying for other people and share it. Um, that's why Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. Eagerly desire that ability to encourage, build up, strengthen and, and comfort one another. I mean, you don't even need to say why that's important because all of us, you know, how many of us this morning, we don't have to raise our hands, would just love to hear God speak to us and encourage, comfort, strengthen and build us up. I think all of us would because that's what we're made. We're made in the image of God. We're made to relate to him in that way. So I'd encourage us to seek that gift, to seek the opportunity to bless others. But if we're to be people who praise God with our mouths, And if we're to be people who speak words of life to others, James says we have to start with our heart. James is alluding to a verse in Proverbs here, which is Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. It's quite a famous verse. Above all things, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Jesus tells us that out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Our hearts determine what we say. So how is our heart today? How are our hearts this morning? How are we in our lives today? Are we full of joy? Are we overflowing with the Spirit of God? Peace? Love? Our hearts will be full of whatever we've put into them. And that's why Jesus, in all his teaching, went for the heart. That's the most important thing. That's what God is after. Not just our outward behavior, but our heart. As we come to finish this morning, I want to get you to imagine uh, use your imagination just think of these visions I want you to imagine that each one of us our hearts were filled with the spirit of God we're full of love full of joy full of peace and grace and from that place our hearts being renewed and transformed we spoke blessing and life over all those we met and knowing that our words have power to bring life we harness our tongues and we bring blessing to others Imagine that you're a teacher with a class of 30 children and day after day, week after week, you're speaking life and blessing and encouragement and comfort. Imagine the power and influence of seeing lives transformed that can be. How about when you're a parent encouraging our children to come alive in all they are by speaking blessing over them? I think a marriage in trouble can be turned around as husband and wife bless and not curse speak goodness and grace and mercy over one another imagine what that could be imagine what difference that would make to one another to our lives together but I know for some of us we've really experienced the destructive power of words in our lives maybe we've got a tape that plays over and over again maybe we've not been able to overcome it so far James calls those things curses. It's quite a strong word, really. But Jesus on the cross 
is described as a man who is accursed by God, is separated from his father so that we don't have to be. That he became a curse for us so that the curse over us can be broken. Jesus came to defeat the power of those words that aren't from him. He came to, if you like, erase the tape that we listen to. He came to set the captives free by speaking life and truth over us. The thief comes to steal, kill and destroy, Jesus said. But I've come that you might have life and have it in abundance. And Jesus does that today. I wonder if we could imagine how different our lives might be if we lived under the words of grace and truth from Jesus. The psalmist says, How precious to me are your thoughts about me. One of the gifts that we have as followers of Jesus is we get to listen to God's thoughts about other people and tell them. It's such a privilege. It's such a privilege to speak life over people, to see them come alive. It's just a wonderful thing to do. Imagine if we lived rather than under the destructive words that may have been spoken over us, over the truth that Jesus brings. Imagine the freedom, the creativity that that would be unleashed in and through us. And imagine the difference it would make. So for us, the challenge from James to us this week is to be people that speak life over others. We're to have the praises of God on our lips. And all of this comes as God inhabits our hearts, changing us from the inside out. Can I invite us if we're able to stand? We're going to pray, take some space to invite the Spirit of God and allow him to minister to us.